connected consumer. Hi, I'm Chris White. And I'm Rosie Sarah, and we are the hosts of Parks Associates podcast, The Connected Consumer. This podcast is all about Parks Associates data-driven insights from various verticals in our consumer tech, featuring our research analysts and other leaders in the industry. Today, we have two special guests from Technicolor, Matt and Patrick. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Maybe we could start with some introductions. You tell us what your role is at Technicolor. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and start. My name is Matt Newman. I work for Technicolor out of our Atlanta, Georgia offices. I'm in the product strategy and management uh, group focused on our IoT initiatives. Uh, mostly, uh, I'm working business development, uh, and I do uh, quite a bit of work with our ecosystem maintaining partner relationships and, uh, and, and the business associated with that. Great. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Patrick, how about you? Yeah, so my name is Patrick Kumar. I have to excuse me for my rather hard accent because I'm from Belgium. <laughs> um, my role is chief solution architect and I work in the CTO office of Connected Home. And my main focus is indeed our diversification program into IoT. Uh, my background is mainly software uh, over the last 20 years from embedded computing to cloud computing and analytics with a specialty in IoT. Amazing. Really excited to have you guys join us today as this is the first episode of the Smart Spaces theory uh, series. Sorry. Um, so what do we mean by smart spaces? Uh, they usually consist of smart apartments, MDUs, uh, retail, warehousing, hospitality, building management. And in this episode, uh, we're going to be focusing on smart apartments, dorms, and MDUs. So I would like to start off this episode uh, with uh, defining what smart, uh, smart spaces are. So, uh, Matt, how would you define smart spaces? Yeah, so I think smart spaces is obviously a very uh, large category um, and taken unto itself is, doesn't have a lot of definition. So it's good that we start there. Uh, so for us, smart spaces means, um, you know, the places that we live, work and experience entertainment. Um, and with respect to IoT, it means taking those uh, environments and spaces that we're all very familiar with and the devices and systems within them and then turning them into uh, smarter versions of themselves, if you will, uh, to increase uh, what maybe it's productivity in the case of a business or, um, you know, access and entertainment in the case of a consumer space, whatever it might be. Um, the example that I often use is the doorbell. Um, the doorbell has been around for decades or centuries. Um, you know, uh, I don't know when the doorbell was invented, but it's been around for a long time. We're all very familiar with it. And if you think of today's smart IoT enabled doorbells, what they've done is they've taken an analog device that we're all very familiar with, and they've added networking to it. They've added video, a video component, and uh, an app running on your cell phone or a tablet that gets you that network access. Um, and so as a result, again, taking a, a device that's very uh, ubiquitous and known to everyone and turning it into a smart device. And that's really part of the smart spaces, right? It's, it's taking things within our environment and making them smarter and more intelligent. So that's how I would define that. All right, great. So your, so your example of a doorbell. Um, so I think commonly we think of the doorbell as being something for a sim single family home. You know, when you see the commercials for Ring or Nest or whatever, it's usually a little house and there's a person delivering a package. But it's a little more complicated than that in an MDU space. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit about um, how IoT use cases are different in sort of apartments and dorms as compared to single family. 
Right. Yeah. I, uh, Technicolor believes that the multi-dwelling uh, in, environment is is one of the the, the best uh, smart spaces to focus on, actually, for that reason. So if you think about a, a single family home, uh, you know, the obvious things that come to mind are uh, you have a lot fewer people, right? Um, you're talking about a single family versus uh, a, an apartment complex or a dormitory. Uh, and the other thing you might think about is density. Uh, and the number of devices uh, in terms of density, right? So uh, in, in a home, e even for a gadget freak like me, I might have 30, 35 devices in total uh, wow. connected uh, in a in a apartment complex or a dormitory. You're talking thousands, maybe even tens of thousands, who knows? Right. Um, so I think it's all about number of users and density that differentiates the multi-dwelling space from a single family home. And that can be both residential and, and on the commercial side as well. Yeah. Matt, I would like to add a couple of things because I think the doorbell and the door in, in general, uh, including also the lock and the access control uh, element, um, I think is beneficial for, of course, for the end user, for the tenant. I mean, he can use that maybe part of it as a peace of mind uh, when somebody rings and he is not at home, he can at least see who is on the door. Uh, that is one aspect, but I think for the property manager in perspective, the same doorbell and the same lock eh, can mean much more for him eh, with respect to, for example, reduction of his operational cost. Eh? One of the, I think, most compelling use cases when you have smart access control uh, for the operations uh, is that uh, it can allow uh, visitors uh, when the apartment is empty uh, to come uh, and get access to that apartment looking uh, around in the apartment without having to send somebody over, uh, which is a costly kind of endeavor um, to make that visitation happen. Uh, so I think same kind of use case, but for the property manager, uh, there is much more uh, business value in it if you look at it from another perspective. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Great. So with these use cases in mind, uh, can you expand a little bit more on their networking needs and, and what does that mean? Yeah. So I think from a networking standpoint, of course, again, with the fact that you do have a higher density of devices in the multi-dwelling space, as well as more users, um, you know, you can look at a couple of different scenarios. Um, you know, the, the products that Technicolor sells, which are really broadband enabled products to which we've added IOT capabilities. So we've taken world-class products that we've that we sell millions of units and we've added this layered in this IoT functionality. If you think about that from a networking standpoint, um, you know, you can go a couple of different routes. You can have a mesh network set up where uh, a large area is serviced by um, maybe a smaller number of devices uh, where you've got the Wi-Fi mesh as well as various IoT protocols like BLE or Thread or Matter, for example, being serviced by these devices in a, in a kind of a shared environment. Uh, but you could also imagine a, a more premium service, potentially, um, where every individual unit or, or tenant, if you will, within the multi-dwelling space has their own uh, IoT gateway uh, to which they can even possibly add devices in a bring-your-own-device type environment. So, And I think there's everything in between. So um, from a business standpoint, uh, Technicolor is absolutely focused on that entire spectrum. Um, maybe Patrick can add some of the technical aspects associated with that uh, because there's there's plenty of challenges in that space. Yes, please do, Patrick. Yeah, so let me indeed add, I mean, you're, you're talking about the networking needs. I would try to keep it broader, broader and talk about connectivity needs. Uh, we know that we have networking 
uh, IP networking like we traditionally used to know, uh, internet, Wi-Fi, uh, etc. But IoT brings an additional kind of connectivity um, to the table. Uh, um, we know that, for example, in the future, Matter will also add networking, IP kind of connectivity to the table. Uh, and in general, it's all about coverage. I mean, we're talking about smart home for the MDU. It's the complete building. So the property managers are looking for an overall connectivity solution that can cover the whole building, not only the apartments themselves, but also the corridors, the pool area, yeah. uh, etc. Uh, and in that whole realm of connectivity, uh, he wants uh, have to have both IP connectivity for his networking needs. A lot of the use cases are using, for example, IP cameras uh, or Wi-Fi devices. But in the same time, he also wants to have coverage for the other IoT devices, sensors, actuators that are working with connectivity protocols like Bluetooth and Zigbee, um, Z-Wave, etc. Yes, yeah, so you mentioned a lot of different protocols there, and we're talking about a bunch of different devices. Um, and in terms of monetizing this, there's also a bunch of platforms involved. So there's a lot of kind of players going on in this value chain uh, that Technicolor is kind of sitting in the middle of. So could you talk to us a little bit about kind of partnerships that you guys are doing, what it's like to work with ISPs, prop tech companies, and, and you know, access control device makers, all the, all the different type of people you're going to be kind of interacting with as you try and deliver um, your services to people in the apartments and dorms? Yeah, sure. So actually, uh, partnering and building out the ecosystem is a core element of our strategy. Uh, in fact, we have a strategy we call the four C's, connect, collect, compute, create. So Technicolor is focused on what we do best uh, as a world leader in gateways, which is the edge device, the connect and the collect piece. So if you think about it, our, our IoT gateways uh, that are IoT enabled are sitting at the edge. They're connecting to the Wi-Fi network in place and therefore uh by virtue of that, have internet capabilities. And then they're also uh, connecting to the variety of devices in the, in the immediate area from an IoT standpoint. So they're playing both roles. And then, of course, data is being uh, collected from all of these devices. Um, the, the gateways that we manufacture have a, a pretty uh, robust uh, uh, horsepower to them, so you can do a lot of edge analytics. But at the end of the day, um, that data really has value once it's aggregated in the cloud. So, and, and this is where we get to the partnerships and the ecosystem that you just asked about. So on the cloud side of things, which, which we call the compute piece, um, we, we're partnering with all the major players, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, Ayla Networks, and others. Um, so we have a variety of partners that we can bring into uh, the solution uh, based upon the, the, the client's needs. In this case, uh, with the topic we're talking about, that would likely be a property manager or developer. Uh, and then on the create side, which is uh, what we call the application. So the end user app, which is where, you know, all the value is delivered to, uh, again, in this case, uh, a property manager uh, or a site manager, what have you. That application uh, would be developed by one of our ISVs or independent software vendors that we've partnered with in the ecosystem. So, again, the four C's is about bringing the whole end to end solution to bear with technical focusing on the edge piece that we do best, partnering for the cloud and the application piece. Uh, and bringing all that as an end solution. So yeah, partnering is a huge part of our strategy. Right, Are you so, add anything to that or I'm sorry? No, I think I fully agree with you, Matt. I think the complexity in the IoT space uh, is indeed, both from a business angle as from the technical angle uh, is 
so vast uh, that not one company can cover everything. So indeed, like Matt said, uh, partnerships are extremely important. We try to focus on what we are doing best. We have a platform approach, a very open uh, platform approach, uh, and we indeed partner uh, uh, with those ecosystems that really bring added value to the solution. Uh, and that's where I think, let's say, at the core, we are partnering with IoT platform players. Uh, uh, and then for the rest, we are partnering with specific system integrators or ISVs uh, that can complement these kind of solutions. Yeah, well, while we're kind of right here and talking in generalities about these kind of deployments and solutions, do you, do you guys have some specifics, like, you know, particular projects or deployments that you kind of think of as, I don't know, I always want to ask people their favorites, and then I'm always trying to think of a more sophisticated way to ask their favorites. <laughs> guys, what is your favorite deployment in the apartment dorm space that, you, that you've worked on in the past or are currently working on? Yeah, so we've we've done a, a variety of things, and I and I think again uh, with the with the fact that our strategy is a B two B strategy, right? So we're targeting again the uh, the property development companies, the property management companies, and the value flows from there to the actual tenant or consumer. So, right. um, so I I think you know the ones that we like are the ones that have the most obvious uh, return on investment for the uh, customer, right? Because those are the ones that are easiest to sell. <laughs> um, as you go into talk to these property managers and developers, uh, if you can clearly show a, a return on investment, uh, you know, it's so much easier to get them to buy in. And so as some specific use case examples, uh, there's, uh, there's many, but some that come to mind, uh, utility management. So obviously utilities are a huge cost component of running a multi-dwelling space, whether it be an apartment complex or a dormitory or what, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you can bring IoT technology to bear on that to better control costs through energy savings, green initiatives, what have you, uh, a specific example, a tenant moves out, the apartment is now empty. Uh, you know, what if they left the thermostat at, uh, you know, 80 degrees in the middle of the winter, the heat's running constantly, right? Well, remotely through IoT, the, the landlord or the property manager can go in and, and adjust that temperature to a much lower setting, save energy, save costs until a new tenant moves in and then they take over as a specific example. Other areas um, uh, we use a lot. Uh, another example that we like is uh, water leak detection. Um, you know, if you have a, a pipe burst or a sink overflow or a washing machine uh, overflow on, a, on the fourth floor of a building, you, it doesn't take long for that water to create a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The waterfall effect. <laughs> <laughs> now you flooded three floors or four floors or what have you, right? Um, with water leak detection and, and valve shutoff, uh, you know, a property manager can quickly get a, a return on investment calculation on that, right? And in terms of savings from uh, taking something that could be a, a, a major catastrophe and limiting the damage. And then they can go to their insurance company potentially even and get a break on their premiums because they yeah. have mm -hmm. in place. So these are just a couple of our favorites, but really broadly speaking in the multi-dwelling space, there are, there are a variety of, uh, you know, energy, uh, 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 management of devices that are on site uh, and others that uh, have a, a clear ROI. So th those are the ones we focus on the most. Great, Patrick, any input there? Uh, no, I mean, um, if you take, a, if we, let's say, take a specific example of the one that excited me the most. And Matt has, I think, focused on some of the use cases. Uh, uh, for me, a very other interesting aspect was providing the whole connectivity in that building, because traditionally, uh, 
uh, either that connectivity is delivered by a network service provider, uh, um, but then you still have something separately for the IoT part, uh, being able to deliver one solution, which is, I, I, I think, decoupled from that traditional uh, internet access kind of um, solution, uh, that was really exciting for me because there we saw that our solution uh, that can create that kind of mesh uh, in that building uh, uh, was was extremely was extremely interesting and it reminded me uh, on um, a kind of saying that was very popular 20 years ago and that came from Sun, uh, a typical statement where they say the network is the computer, uh, meaning all our devices yeah. in a mesh. Uh, really started to act as the infrastructure in that building to provide these new IoT services. And that was really exciting for me. I think it's great that you guys touched on some of those examples that really benefit the property manager mm -hmm. a lot and are sort of invisible in some cases, right? Like the residents don't know that they're getting this great benefit. Um, the property managers certainly know, you know, um, working this with this job, a lot of people ask me like for recommendations on like, what is the coolest doorbell brand? And I always kind of reverse the conversation to be like, do you have water leak detection? Can you please put a $10 <laughs> sensor under your sink and under your water heater? Cause like, it's the eat your vegetables type stuff that, that really matters to, to the people in the space. Yeah. Um, even though it's sexier to talk, let's talk EV chargers or, <clears throat> you know, video analytics, facial recognition, all that stuff. Like when you get in the conversations with people in the industry, it's like, oh, how can we, how can we get some of the simple products working um, to prevent catastrophe, you know, mm -hmm. allow us to be more proactive um, and connecting, you know, part of the cool thing about smart spaces that is not going to necessarily kind of like entice renters to come in, but is going to help really help with ROI is this idea of like catastrophe prevention. Yeah. And, and then you also, you also mentioned energy um, reduction, and you know, no one moving into a new apartment building is going to be excited that there's smart blinds in the in the like you know atrium area or something. But that's mm -hmm. the type of thing that actually saves the property manager a lot of money when he can you know at certain times of day put the blinds down and make sure that they're always down instead of relying on a maintenance guy to do it or something like that. Like some of the little things like that are really important. And mm -hmm. you need a networking solution to get out to all those sensors that are in places that maybe no one cared before. You know, maybe there was no one sitting there with a laptop thinking, "Well, I can't work from home over here." So I care about networking, but all those little devices and stuff certainly do care. So I think it's cool that you guys are thinking about both both sides of that, kind of both of your customers in the sense of your B2B customer, and then you're also your B2B to C customer, the end user. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, I think one thing to uh, point to add to what you said, which is excellent, is that you know you can create stickiness, right? So you're right. Is it doesn't does somebody who's hunting for an apartment uh, sign on uh, on the dotted line because they have smart blinds or, or whatever else, right? Right. The water leak sensor. Yeah. yeah right. Pro probably not. But um, once they move in, right, and the, and the and if the if the property manager is able to realize cost savings. Um, you know, clear, definable cost savings, they can kind of layer in some of the sexier, uh, visible type IoT mm -hmm. services right. that do matter to the consumer. And then once they're moved in and they get kind of hooked on that kind of stuff, it creates, I think, a stickiness that they're less likely to maybe move on. Um, totally. Get that somewhere else. So, yeah. Totally. I agree. Um, so we're focusing a little bit more on, you know, the property tech, but I want to shift into... Um, you know, residents that move in that already have connected devices. So um, our data says that 43% of 
uh, USMDU residents report that they use smart home devices, including a mix of the property provided devices and devices that they've already purchased at retail. Um, so can you expand more on how, you know, existing IoT devices uh, work? Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's a big challenge, right? Because if you think about it, the, the, the property uh, manager uh, is probably going to have some reservations about certain devices being brought into the system, right? They're trying to maintain control uh, and lower their cost of, uh, of maintenance and, uh, and, and whatnot. And so to have the, the, the tenant bring just anything they want to the table uh, could be uh, a recipe for disaster. So what we've seen is that uh, in, in many cases, there's a curated list of acceptable devices uh, that the tenant is allowed to bring in. An example of what they're not allowed to do in most cases is, is the door lock, which is the sort of the epicenter from the property manager's standpoint of, of the access and control and security of that unit, right? So you don't want the tenant swapping out the door lock for something uh, their own because then the landlord loses that, that control uh, and, and over that unit, right? So, but on the other hand, um, you know, if they've got other IoT devices that, uh, again, maybe lighting is a great example, smart lighting, um, you know, IP cameras to keep track of their pets while they're away. Uh, for example, so they can see what, what their cat or their dog is doing <laughs> while they're off at work. Um, yeah. Those types of things are pretty benign, right? And they can be added in. And they're especially benign if the, if the property manager can say, here's, the, again, here's that curated list of uh, of devices and maybe even brands that that the in-place uh, system support. So your bring your own device type uh, scenario doesn't yes. spiral out of control. Yeah. yeah, would like to add on that because indeed, I think that is today in specifically for the MDU setting and the, the biggest challenge of all. On one hand, you have the end user. He has his own preference. He brings his own devices. And with preference, I mean, some of them, eh, they are hooked into the Amazon ecosystem. They love Alexa. Eh, others are mm -hmm. Apple fans. Eh, uh, and some others eh, won't have Google Assistant. Eh, and it's uh, in the end, you need to make sure that that mix eh, is working. These kind of consumer devices are also working eh, in tandem and in a kind of interoperability with those kind of managed devices, these kind of curated devices that uh, Matt has mentioned. Eh, so I think that is the biggest challenge today. Yeah? Uh, but that's also, I think, where we with our pedigree coming from the smart home, knowing all these standards uh, um, can come to kind of proper solutions uh, so that these things are working hand in hand or glove in glove. Wonderful. Thank you. So we're getting a little towards the, the end of this episode. It's been a wonderful conversation so far and a pleasure chatting with you guys. Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, please tell our listeners where um, they can find you on socials and anything you have coming up at uh, Technicolor. Yeah, so of course we have an IoT webpage off our main uh, www.technicolor.com uh, website that they can go to and learn a little, bit, a little bit more about our products. There's a video on that site, for example, uh, that kind of gives the, I mentioned earlier, the, the 4C strategy. Kind of elaborates on what our strategy is what our targets are and what our products bring to bear and the ecosystem that we that we talked about as well in, in a in a concise uh 
a couple of minutes. So people can learn a lot uh, in a short period of time by looking at that. Uh, as with most uh, of us, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search for Matt Newman Technicolor and find me there and, and certainly message me in that way. And as far as uh, what's coming up, you know, uh, I think I touched upon this earlier, but Technicolor has a, a very broad portfolio of broadband products. And we're constantly uh, layer, layering into those uh, IoT capabilities. So we have a very well-defined roadmap that extends out over many years. Uh, so, you know, what I think is exciting is that there's always more and more uh, technology being brought to bear to the problem, solving problems and adding value, uh, you know, for the kind of challenges that our customers are looking for. So that that's uh, we're constantly making new announcements in that space. And that typically um, is uh, highlighted on our website. Great. Patrick, do you have anything to add? Is there anywhere we should be yeah, following just, you? Just like Matt, I mean, you can find me on my LinkedIn yeah, with my name and technical kind of um, background. Yeah. So if anybody wants to reach out, they can find me on my LinkedIn. I also have a couple of links on white papers I have written on the topic on my LinkedIn. So people can oh, feel free to, to contact me. Great. So, and so speaking of white papers, we actually have a white paper that we partnered with you guys. Um, our colleague, Kristen Hanick, who is our expert on home services and broadband, has been doing that for a long time, uh, put together a really interesting white paper on the topic of smart spaces uh, that we're going to be sort of linking and kind of promoting alongside the release of this podcast. So everyone who is uh, listening to this audio or watching this video, um, look around for some links that you can uh, get a paper and some deeper analysis from an industry expert who knows a little better than me or Rosie. I hope we <laughs> asked smart questions today, but Kristen's smarter on that. Um, and then also include some data that we that we gather on, this, on the topic uh, based on our 10,000 person survey that we do each quarter. So I think it's a valuable white paper. I think all you have to do is sign up and give your email address and that type of thing. So um, people should, anyone interested in this episode should be interested in reading more, I think. Go ahead and grab that thing for free. Absolutely. Well, I was I'll just going to sure say, at Technicolor, we really enjoyed working with Parks on that white paper. And I think it is very valuable. A lot of good information there. Oh, good. Thank you for saying so. <laughs> Tell Kristen. Yes, absolutely. We'll make sure to add it to the show notes um, on just all of our uh, audio platforms and our YouTube video. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, Connected Consumers, thank you so much for joining and listening in to this episode. Make sure to subscribe as we have lots of great upcoming episodes, like we mentioned earlier, including our Smart Spaces series. Um, and don't forget to, to check the, the show notes here in this, in this episode. As always, we want your feedback. Please feel free to uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tweet at us at Parks Associates, CY Insights, or Rosie Alpino to let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear next. Yeah, so keep an eye out for also the next episode. We're going to try and talk about hospitality and senior care and then later retail and warehousing. So we're going to cover the whole gamut of uh, major areas that you guys serve. I think it's going to be really interesting. I look forward to talking to you guys again. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you.